Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Ravenslayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Lady Boy Chi-Chi, a sex expert, a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. You're listening to another edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. I am Lady Boy Gigi, and I have Paul with me tonight. Hey, guys. <laughs> tonight, we're continuing on our mini-series on sexual issues, and we're starting with male sexual issues. And then we'll be doing female sexual issues, and then issues that people kind of outside the box experience, so to speak, and couples issues. So we'll be covering a lot of different sexual issues. Tonight, we're going to be talking about enhanced pleasures for men, how to enhance your sex life and make it a whole lot better. Because <laughs> oftentimes men, they've been doing the same thing for a period of time and they want to add some new techniques to their repertoire and get better at sex. And so we'll be going through a whole lot of things to improve your sex life and to improve not only how well you have sex, but also the pleasures and, and how to have more experiences that maybe you're not familiar with as yet, like full-body orgasms or multiple orgasms and non-ejaculatory orgasms. I know a lot of men kind of equate 
ejaculation with orgasm, and they are actually two separate things. You can have an ejaculation without much of an orgasm, and you can have orgasms without any ejaculation. And so we're going to talk a little bit about different types of orgasms you can have. There's also energy orgasms where you can build up sexual energy and work with sexual energy and have a more energetic orgasm. Anything you'd like to add, Paul? Yeah. So I I think when it comes to this topic, it's a little different than the other topics that we've been covering because this one isn't so much a case of a performance issue or something that or or a problem that is affecting you it's it's more just a, a desire for a greater range of experience than getting better at sex and that's a big part of sex coaching as well a lot of people think that so sex coaching is for people who are having problems and sex coaches are there to help you have better sex and just having a desire to have better sex is a good enough reason to go to a sex coach so i think that's a important to understand as we go through this and we'll be covering a, a lot of topics and it's possible that you haven't thought about a lot of these things or considered them before and that's a great chance to get better and expand your horizons. I think it's good to start at the beginnings of what makes for really good sex. And part of that is toning up your sex muscles. Getting them just like with any other muscles in your body, if you don't exercise them regularly, they kind of get lazy and lax and and then all of a sudden you can't do the things that you think you should be able to do. And the same goes with sex. It's like I wouldn't try to bench press 500 pounds. <laughs> I have to work up to that, build up the muscles and prepare my body for getting to that point. Not that I'd ever want to. I'm kind of more of the delicate type. But if I did want to, I'd start, and when I was in gymnastics, I did have to build my upper body strength a bit because I was doing back handsprings and I also had to limber up my body. And so I had to do a complete workout to, and on a daily basis to really build up my body strength. Same goes for sex. If you exercise your PC muscles, your pubococcygeus muscles, some people call them Kegel muscles. Basically, it's when you're about to pee and you kind of start peeing and you squeeze your muscles and stop the flow of urine, that's your sex muscles. <laughs> and you want to exercise those regularly. I do them about... 20, 30 minutes a day, sometimes more, sometimes I go a whole hour, and sometimes not in one stretch, but I do exercise them regularly. And there are many benefits. One is that once you've got them really well toned up, when you get an erection, 
it's firmer when you have strong muscles, but also when you squeeze, the head of the cock expands quite a bit more than when the muscles are weak. Anything you want to add or talk about how to do PC muscle exercises? Yeah, for me, I I think that different people have different ways of kind of discovering the muscles. So if you have ever like squeezed and felt your balls kind of raise up and like try to go back into to your body, that that's uh, doing your PC muscles. And the way that I started having to work them out was like I would clench my, my anus. And as I clenched my anus, I felt the PC muscle, it's a muscle sling that goes from the tip of your tailbone, your coccyx, to your pelvis, pubococcygeus. That's pubic. your pubic bone. That's where the pubococcygeus comes from. When I started doing my, my PC muscles, I started off doing it about three minutes at a time and doing that about three times a day. Um, what I tell people is find something that you do regularly that can just kind of be your trigger to remember to just do a few squeezes. One of the examples I use if, is if you watch TV shows that have commercials in them or YouTube videos with commercials. Whenever a commercial is on, just do your PC muscles. Or when you are waiting in line somewhere, or whatever you do that you do for a few minutes every day, use that time to, as a reminder to just do your PC muscle exercises. And I went from doing it for about three minutes, three times a day, till this point, I probably do it for about 45 minutes a day. And it's really, really changed my sex life. One of the things I talk about on the show a lot is when I first started training with Gigi, I had big problems with early ejaculation. And I think that working out my PC muscles is one of the big reasons I overcame that. I would like to say that there's another benefit to doing your pubococcygeus or sex muscle exercises, and that is it feels good. <laughs> I enjoy doing them. I mean, it's like, oh, it just feels good down there. <laughs> I think another area that helps a lot for enhanced pleasure is learning how to get out of your head and into your body. A large part of that is a concept called mindfulness. And breath work can help a whole lot with mindfulness. Just get relaxed. Relaxation is really good for sex. You don't want to go into sex all stressed out. It's not a good way to start sex. But deep breathing will help with relaxation. And so what I do is I'll take some really deep breaths. And 
I like to do what's called the lover's breath, but there's many breathing techniques in Tantra and even yoga and some of the other Eastern trainings. And these can be very helpful. For the lover's breath, you take a deep breath, forcing air into your lungs. Hold it for just a couple of seconds and then open your throat and sigh the breath out. And what sighing does is it, and really give a good audible sigh, what sighing does is it gives out those vibrations as you exhale that resonate through your chest. And that I find very amazingly good. <laughs> Any thoughts on deep breathing? Yeah, so I started doing breathing exercises in conjunction with my PC muscle exercises where I would do a squeeze on an inhale and breathe out on or and release on an exhale. You can do different types of breathing. You can do quick in and out breathing and, and um, time that with your PC muscles. Uh, you can take a few, like start your breath and then squeeze and then kind of hold your breath and then breathe in a little bit more and squeeze and and hold and then breathe in a little bit more and squeeze. I think that breathing really helped me to get in my body and that helps you get out of that analytical part of your mind and just be aware of your body. One of the things, whether you're doing PC muscle exercises or you're pleasuring yourself or you're having sex with a partner, if you are conscious of your breath while you're doing it, you can pull your focus away from your genitals and into the rest of your body. And that's one of the really important things to do with all kinds of sex. Because a lot of people and men in general tend to keep most of their sexual energy in their genitals. And when you let it radiate throughout your body, you can really have much more like the rest of your body gets very sensitive and you pick up on all of your other erogenous zones and your body just becomes so sensitive and it's really amazing. You're touching on edging an orgasm. And I think a lot of people think, oh, if you're in some, even in, some books, they say, oh, men shouldn't ejaculate. Mm -hmm. Now, that's kind of a misnomer. It's, and especially if you're over 35, you should ejaculate on a regular basis. And I say that because both the testicles and the prostate gland are kind of like manufacturing plants. They're not storage facilities. And if you build up a lot of sex energy and try to store it, it can cause problem health problems. By regularly ejaculating, you're clearing out the warehouse, so to speak, getting things moving through, and you don't get a lot of clutter and buildup. And so it's just healthier to purge both the testicles and the 
prostate gland of all the fluids on a frequent basis. I usually ejaculate at least three to four times a week. There's a time in my life I was doing it five times a day. <laughs> but with edging, what you want to do is hold off on ejaculating, hold off on even having an orgasm, build up the energy, and then when you're starting to get really close to that point of no return where it feels like an ejaculation is imminent, stop all motion and start touching other areas of your body. Get off the penis for a little while and breathe deep. Breathe it in. And breathing helps circulate that erotic energy up from your genitals into the rest of your body. And as the imminence of ejaculation kind of lowers and it doesn't feel so imperative to come, then start playing with your cock again. <laughs> and do this several times. Build that energy up and then circulate it into your body. And part of what that does is it gives you the opportunity to have a full body orgasm and sometimes even non-ejaculatory orgasms. Anything you want to add, Paul? Yeah, uh, actually, one of the things I wanted to point out is if you want to increase your pleasure during sex with a partner, it is often best to learn how to increase your pleasure when you're masturbating. This does a few things. This helps you work on orgasm control. It helps you like understand like your body's rhythms and motions without having an, a partner to kind of throw off your energy. It helps you learn how to like what you really enjoy, what you really like. You can take this time to explore your body. Uh, you can take this time to try things that might feel awkward to try with a partner. If you've never played with Uranus before, doing it by yourself before you bring in a partner is a, a very good step to, first of all, overcome like any residual embarrassment that you might have around it or Learn how your body works so that you can help teach your partner how to do the things that you like. So a lot of men are intimidated by, by sex toys, and they think of sex toys as a masturbatory aid for women. And it, a lot of guys think of sex toys as something that women use to masturbate alone with. And that's not true. Toys are for everyone. And there are a number of toys that are designed specifically for men. Toys can be your friend. And during solo masturbation can also be a good time to learn about like how to use toys on yourself and learn what you like and learn what you don't like. And it might be really exciting for you to introduce a toy to your partner and have them use it on you. 
as a bit of a surprise to mix things up and get a, a different sensation in there. I think one thing that also helps with anal pleasures is it gets you more in tune with a woman's body. It sounds almost paradoxical, but by receiving and playing with the very sensitive part of your own body, you all of a sudden realize, okay, a woman's vulva is very sensitive too. And it can be good training to learn how to pleasure the anal area in preparation for learning how to pleasure a woman's vulva manually and later with your tongue and how to really get into the very fine tuning of how to stroke and touch in a very sensitive way. One suggestion that I have is if you decide to get into like using your anus and pleasing your anus and get in, into anal play, I think that the first few times that you do it, it is best to explore externally. There's a lot of nerve endings right on your butthole that are very, very sensitive. Uh, and then there's a spot in men that women don't have called the million-dollar spot that uh, the Taoists teach about that is right as you're about to enter your anus, like from your perineum, you will move your finger down your perineum towards your anus and you'll get almost all the way there and you'll feel a little divot. And like anything we've taught on the show, doing tantric circles where you don't immediately go right for the spot that you're trying to stimulate, but you stimulate around the area and do circles working in. And it's the same thing with this million dollar spot. But if you, if you push it too hard right away, it will be painful. But if you use the light finger and then you warm the, that area up, it is really, really amazing. And it it will put chills up and down your spine. It's really, really powerful. But there again, the first few times that you play with yourself anally, you should definitely explore the outside and get comfortable with that. And then also one important thing with anal play is you might want to do an anal douche or an enema. And there's tons of places online that will teach you how to do an anal douche because that way you don't wind up with a mess, which no one wants. Once you've played a couple of times on the, on the outside, you don't need to get a big old toy. A lot of times it's best to start with your fingers. And for men, there's really two spots that you want to hit there is the prostate which is just inside about what two inches two in to inches. two to three inches in and it's towards your pelvis and then you feel and it will feel kind of like um 
kind of like a lump a little bit. It's about about the size of a walnut. And there again, you don't want to go straight for for the prostate. You want to do circles on the inside and wake it up slowly. It, It might feel a little weird the first couple of times you you do it especially if you've never had anything in your butt before also like uh, i i got a little ahead of myself when you are doing anal play you don't want to just force something in your butt because there's two sphincters there's the sphincter that everyone thinks of that you have control over and then there's one right behind that uh, that is an involuntary sphincter that you don't have conscious control over. And that one you have to kind of wake up. One of the things you can do is s- squeeze in your butt and like pucker on the inside and then push out a little bit and squeeze in and then push out. And as you do that with your finger pressed against against your your butthole you will feel your butt like kind of naturally pulling your finger on the inside and you want to let it just go in easily and slowly then you can feel around for your prostate and then kind of wake it up and massage around it very very gently Uh, and then when you have woken it up a little bit you can Play with it, gentle it first, and then, you know, listen to your body and just do what your your body naturally pr- responds to. And this kind of exploration is the reason I suggest people do some solo play before they bring a partner into this, because you kind of want, you, you really want to listen to your body. Your body will tell you how it likes to be treated some people won't have a hard time at all like going in and finding it and then they'll have a grand old time their body will let them know that this is great and some people it might take a little more waking up and you kind of want to do this exploration on your own there are a couple of key issues Number one is be very relaxed. Take your time with it, like Paul said. There's no rush. If you don't get in the first attempt, just play around on the outside for a while and allow your body to become accustomed to it. If you've never experienced anal pleasures in the past, it is a new type of sensation, but it's really well worth it because there's a few benefits. For number one, you will have tons more pre-cum. I mean, your cock's going to ooze out as you massage the prostate gland. It's going to really be juicy and good and wet, which we really love, hot, wet sex. (laughs) Or I do. (laughs) The other thing is that once you do have an ejaculation by and I don't know if you've ever heard of milking the prostate gland, but playing with it, it starts building up extra fluid. And when you do have an ejaculation, there will be much more fluid coming out than if you hadn't played with prostate stimulation. 
it can be incredible the amount, the, the difference of the ejaculate. And it feels so good when you do ejaculate. It feels good just to play with it, <laughs> but it really takes it to a whole new level. I think that a lot of times guys especially think, oh, butt play is gay sex. No, it's not. A lot. I've had many females that are very into putting on a strap on and fucking me up the ass. And it's girl-boy sex, totally. <laughs> and they enjoy it. It gives a female a whole new perspective on taking playing the male role and doing a little gender bending and gender bending can be so much fun it teaches us so much anything you want to add yeah so i i mentioned that there's two spots inside the the other one that you want to consider playing with is if you have if you have your finger on your prostate if you Turn your hand 180 degrees and then feel where your tailbone is and then pull out just a tiny bit. You'll feel a little dimple right there. And again, you'll want to do tantric circles around it and kind of wake it up. But that is the area on like next to your tailbone where your PC muscles attach and playing with the muscle sling in that direction also feels really, really good. It feels different, but it feels very, very good. And the nice thing about that is, like, women also have that same pleasure point, or at least people assigned female at birth have that. All humans have that one. So it's, it's good to learn about and have fun. For more in-depth learning and guidance on anal pleasures, I do have a training video that you can watch and really get a whole new perspective and all the little intricacies and ways to pleasure yourself anally or a partner anally. It can be incredibly good. And when we get to the women's issues, we'll talk a little bit about what women get out of anal sex, because they, too, have some pleasure spots. But we'll hold off on that one. Oh, my, we're already to station break. <laughs> I do want to remind people to check out our website, ravenslayerleather.com and ggwilber.com. They're both websites that I have training films, and on the Raven Slayer website, I've got a lot of information. I'm about to redo that entire site. But for now, there's information on training programs. I've got just a lot of good information on that site. And then if you're interested in sex coaching ggwilber.com has all the information you need about what a sex coach does and how we work with people and set goals. And like anything in life, we don't get a proper sex education. So what we do is we go gradually. We set goals and 
What do you want to achieve sexually? Where do you want to go with your sex life? And it's really a journey to discover how you can make your sex life better. I also have ladyboytemple.com, which is our website for Aphrodite's Temple. And right now we're not doing any virtual temple gatherings, but we do post information about Aphrodite's Temple. Anything you want to add to Station Break? Yeah, I've got a couple of things. Uh, first of all, at the ravenslayerleather.com, you can find a link to our Patreon page. You can also go to patreon.com forward slash ladyboygigi. If you're interested in the sex coaching site, I want to remind people that the way that you spell that is Two G's, so the letter G, the letter G, W-I-L-B-U-R dot com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Got a little bit of announcement. Uh, longtime listeners to this show uh, know that I'm non-binary, and I just had my last talk with my gender therapist before I get on HRT, hormone replacement therapy. So there might be changes to my voice, uh, and you might notice a change in the way that I hold myself and present myself. And if you're curious where that comes from, well, I'm getting on hormones and I'm really, really excited about that. It's going to be a new step in my journey, and I imagine it's going to give me even more insight into the crazy world of sex and gender and all sorts of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. It's going to be so good. <laughs> but get ready for that emotional roller coaster ride, because when you first get on them, from what I've heard... Estrogen can bring on a whole new set of emotions. <laughs> well, onward to our, back to our topic. And we're talking about enhanced pleasures. And so far, we've just kind of covered some of the physical aspects. I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the other aspects of enhanced pleasures. One of those is in tantric sex. And then getting even further into it is getting into the spiritual side of sexuality and the energy side of sexuality. Not to confuse that energy sex and spiritual sex are two separate things. Both can be really good. And then, of course, there's sex magic. Working with the sexual energy to set intention and bring about change in your life and so these are more 
kind of advanced practices to get into. And I think sometimes we look at sex as in our culture as kind of a something that, oh, we have to be spontaneous and get in the mood and and it's just something that often gets put in the back burner when life gets complex and busy. I think part of getting into the more spiritual side of sexuality or even sex magic or working with sex energy, it does take a commitment and setting up daily practices. I've even set up an altar in my room and I do every morning my erotic affirmations. And whatever practice you want to put into place, where you do practice with sex every day. I think that's part of it is getting in tune with the physical helps you learn about your body and then starting to get into the more spiritual and mindfulness of sex gets you more into the tune with the spiritual and the energetic work. And there are ways to have energy orgasms. I know that I've worked with a lot of different forms of sexuality and sexual expression where I take time to work with the energy of sex. Do you want to add to that, Paul? Yeah. So I know that a, a big change happened for me when I started doing a daily practice of ritualistic meditative spiritual sex it felt when i had started this practice i kind of thought it was going to be similar to masturbating every day and outwardly it looks the same but the intention i have behind it and the fact that i let it hold spiritual significance for me really changed the way it felt in my experience of it. And it really helped me tap into some of the healing energies of sex and some of the, like, having increased, like, physical energy throughout the day. And it, because I had a mindfulness to raising sexual energy. It woke me up to being mindful in other areas in my life. It changed the way that I felt about myself. It uh, helped me gain confidence in myself. And the intentions that I set during my, like, during raising sexual energy, I felt that I was able to manifest things for myself and really change my life. And it changed the way that even when I hook up with someone, like at a festival or something, it changed how I feel about sex in general. And it helped me view all of the sex that I have as a spiritual thing and really connecting with another person's energy and really sharing myself with another person 
it still felt good and a little naughty, like every good hookup should feel, but it has this additional layer over it where I feel that I am sharing a gift of my body with someone and they are sharing the gift of their body with me and it has spiritual significance and it has all of these powerful connections that are really amazing and have changed the way I feel about sex. Part of how to get into the mindfulness and into these things we're talking about is to become more fully present with yourself or if you're with a partner with both yourself and your partner. It takes a shift of your mind. It's getting out of that analytical brain that reasoning brain, that part of the brain that's very calculating, and shifting into the intuitive side. It's really getting more in tune with your body and what you're feeling. It's getting into the feelings and emotions and getting into, and I know a lot of guys think, oh, emotion's bad. (laughs) We're not talking about real intense emotions. It can get intense, but We're talking about getting more in tune with how you feel sexually, getting in tune with how your body is feeling, and being fully present with your body. And that's where deep breathing can help, and also exploring your body and touching and discovering. And really, it's a matter of focus. It's focusing not on techniques and how to get off, It's more focusing on if I touch myself this way, how's my body responding? How does it feel? What is it doing for me? And you can even get into a little bit more energy working with it by not even touching yet. Just putting your hand above your body and feeling where where does it feel warmer? Where are the cool spots? without actual physical skin contact, just feeling around your body. Because we all carry an energy field, it's called the chakras. And each chakra puts out a, it's kind of an energy center. And with a little bit of getting into the right mindset, you can feel these energy centers and what they feel like. and and play with the energy, and eventually start bringing that sex energy up through the chakras. Anything you want to add, Paul? Well, I was hoping to kind of shift gears a little bit, so I'd like you to finish your thoughts on this, because for the last part of the show, there was a thing I wanted to bring up. I think part of it is doing the breath work, and also, it's like I said, it's a matter of focus. It's getting out of your head and really focusing into your body. What What's going on with your body? And it's feeling the breath going in and out of your lungs, feeling your chest and your abdomen rise and fall with each breath, starting there and then exploring your whole body, touching different areas, 
and touching in different ways. I have a whole lot of sensory toys, and sensory toys can be any number of things, anything that will create a different sensation on your body. And exploring different types of sensations, everything from the most feathery touch to deep tissue massage. And if you're into it, look up some pressure point work. The body's full of different pressure points where if you hit one spot, it has another area of the body that it's stimulating as you stimulate that one spot. And those are kind of pressure points that can really take you places. And on males, if you stimulate near the head of the cock where that little V is before the head, if you stimulate that area, that corresponds to the third eye. And some men, if you massage it just right, you can actually see colors. <laughs> There's other air pressure points, and I'm not going to go into a whole lot of them tonight, but because that could be a whole show in and of itself. But playing with the whole cock and your balls and the perineum, there's pressure points that correspond to the whole body right down there in your dick. <laughs> so play around with it. See what pressure points will invoke and do interesting things with the rest of your body. So we'll turn on to our next topic. So far, we've been talking a lot about what men can do mostly by themselves to make their sex life better. But a big part of this uh, is what you can do with your partner. And some of the reasons you might not be having the sex that you really want with your partner. I think when it comes to having sex with a partner, as with a lot of things in a relationship, it really comes down to communication. And a lot of times people aren't having the sex that they would like because they don't know how to communicate about it. Because unfortunately, we're not taught how to communicate about these things with each other. A lot of times there is, people are embarrassed to, to bring things up. A lot of times they're worried that their partner will feel like they're not good enough or might be grossed out by some of the things that, you, that really turn you on. Or it just may never have come up. One of the things that happens a lot with couples is in the first couple of years that you're having sex, you learn new techniques and new things, and then you get into a rhythm. Like, you know how to get each other off. You do this, they do this, then you do this, and then they do that, and then you'll both come, and then you'll turn on law and order. And that's really good, and sometimes it it can be very comforting to have someone who knows unique ways to get you off that is kind of y'all's thing and y'all's rhythm. But over time, it can get a little stale and 
sometimes it's time to reinvigorate your sex life. And that really starts with communication and not being afraid to talk frankly about things and telling your partner, like, here are the things that you do that I really, really like. Here are the things that you do that I like that I wish you did more of. Here are things that you do that I'm not a huge fan of. And having conversations like that. And one of the tools video training programs have put together is the erotic body map. It's mapping out your own body and having your partner map out their body erotically and then sharing that information. And it's both partly verbal and partly nonverbal communication on what really gets you off. What are the hot spots? Where, what's the order of it? And how much pressure should I use? Or how little? It really goes into an in-depth mapping of the erotic body. And I just kind of wanted to throw that in because it's a very powerful tool that couples can use together to learn about each other. Yeah, the erotic body map is a very good tool. I think there's a problem a lot of people have that they think that if they ask their partner to focus on their pleasure, that it's inherently selfish. And... A lot of people have self-esteem issues or a lot of guys especially think that they're real lucky to have the partner that they do and their partner is doing them a favor by showing up in the first place and they don't want to put their partner out. But a lot of times, if you have a good partner, hopefully your partner wants to make you feel good. They want to make you want to know what they can do that will really turn you on, that will really get your engine revving. And it's only selfish if you're selfish about it. If y'all are both invested in giving your the your other partner the best orgasm that they can have and the best sexual experience that they can have neither is being selfish. You should encourage your partner to also focus on their pleasure. You can maybe both of you focus on your pleasure for a while, and then you both focus on your partner's pleasure for a while. Then you each focus on your own pleasure for a while, and then you focus on each other's pleasure for a while and try different things like that out. One of the things that's been well documented, uh, because and I did a lot of studying in sexology, but as you raise pleasure in each other's bodies, you're releasing a lot of good chemicals. And these chemicals have been shown to reduce depression, increase energy, not just during sex, but throughout the whole day. It helps you feel more connected and alive and and vibrant. And so this is a gift that you not only give yourself, but to your partner too, and they to you. I know that I have struggled with depression myself, and I know 
one of the parts of training that I went through with Gigi, one of the very first parts of training I went through with Gigi was going through and identifying the things that I wanted and the things that were good for me and important for me to practice and putting those into practice first because I, for a long time, had huge problems. And I still deal a little bit with having a hard time doing things for myself, whereas it's very easy for me to do things for other people. This really can come to a head in sex if you find yourself doing all of the work and your partner really isn't doing much of the work. It can feel good that you that you can make your partner feel good, but it can also lead to resentment. Resentment you don't even realize is building up sometimes, which is why sometimes it's important for you to focus on, on your own pleasure. Now, I'm not saying do that at the cost of focusing on your partner's pleasure, but y'all both should get a bite at the carrot. Y'all both should have your time in the sun, and y'all both should be the focus of the pleasure for a portion of sex. And I think that especially when it comes to people with depression or people with certain kinds of neuroatypicality, it's a thing that happens all the time that people stop focusing on their pleasure. And they might be aware that something's missing, that something feels off. And a lot of times, especially if you have depression, you'll blame yourself for it. Think you must be the problem. When a lot of times it's exactly that you aren't putting yourself, really aren't focusing on yourself at all that's the problem. Kind of getting into the extreme self-care. It's important, and I, I think also you're touching on something that we tend to think our society is give and take, buy and sell, this and that. But basically what we're talking about here is sharing. It's sharing and coming together and forming a deeper connection with each other. It's not a give and take. It's a, a, a It kind of gets into synergy a little bit. Synergy where two people come together and and they connect in a way that brings more than the sum of the two parts, more than the sum of the two people involved. And all of a sudden you reach this kind of nirvana, this new insight, this new beginning. And it's really about sharing and connecting and realizing, oh, I'm not just this one separate entity amongst others. At some level, we're joined energetically. And it becomes more of a sharing and a connection than a give and take. And I hope that helps a little bit. Another thing I wanted to bring up that can really be a downer for, for everyone and really 
stops good sex in its tracks is the concept of shame. And I think that it's very common for people to feel shame around different aspects of their sexuality or their entire sexuality, especially if you are brought up in a very religious household or just a very socially conservative household. You might not be aware that you are ashamed about sex, but if you can't really talk about sex with your partner at all, except in euphemisms and things like that, that's a, a very big sign that you're dealing with some shame areas. And then, of course, on top of that, anytime it comes to anything taboo, like anal play or like BDSM or playing with power dynamics or having different fetishes. To me, the idea of a foot fetish is one of the tamest fetishes in the world, and it's one of the most common fetishes in the world. But to some people, it's their deep, dark secret that they won't even tell to their wife of 30 years. And holding that stuff inside of you is really, really toxic and really, really hurts you. And if you are in a long-term relationship, you should trust your partner enough to tell them the things that you're really into that really turn you on. And you shouldn't make it this big confessional thing where like, there's something I really need to talk to you about. And I know that this is going to shock you and freak you out. Uh, because when you do that, in your partner's head, they're bracing themselves for something really shocking and really bad. And their their perception of what you say will be tinted by you getting them ready for this deep, dark, bad secret. But if you are just like, hey, so I know I've never talked to you about this, but I'm really into to feet, or I really want you to eat my ass, or I like dressing in women's clothing, or anything like that that you might have shame around, just be matter of fact and trust your partner well enough that if they love you, that they want to help you feel good. And sometimes people are shocked by the things that their partner is into. But a lot of times they they get over it. And sometimes like playing around with those things can open things up in your partner that they never knew about. Uh, this happens with BDSM all the time. You know, one partner admits that they're kind of into some kinky BDSM stuff, and the other partner's like, I don't know about that. And then, you know, fast forward three months later, and your partner, like, has a full gimp outfit with a strap on and all sorts of stuff. So you shouldn't be afraid of your partner. You should feel safe 
telling them about the things that really turn you on and what you really like. And you might be surprised they might either secretly be into it too, or they might come to love it. Or they might have some of their own mm -hmm. ideas of what turns them on that are a little outside the box, so to speak. And while we're talking about this, we often think, oh, is this normal? Well, trust me, throughout time, and there's archaeological research, there's all kinds of information and studies that have been done that show that just about any sexual act you can think of, there's been large numbers of people into it. <laughs> it's not abnormal. It's very normal. It's part of being sexual. And I'd also kind of like to speak to the religious side. We often, you know, a lot of religions preach sex is sinful and bad. Well, I'd like to kind of point out a couple of things. Number one, Roman time was very sexual. They had orgies going on, bisexuality was all around, widespread, so was homosexuality. And Jesus never said one word about it. In fact, the only thing he ever did say about it was with the woman that was accused of adultery. And he said, let, that, let the person that has not sinned cast the first stone. He preached forgiveness. And it wasn't so much about the sexual side, but the cheating. It was many people were going to orgies, and they were very commonplace in ancient Rome during Jesus' time. you think if that was evil or bad, he would have said something. But he didn't. Most sexual references in Christianity come from the Old Testament. And Jesus even said, throw that out. He threw over the priest's tables and said, this is a mockery. I think the other side of it is, and this is kind of my own take on it, is that whatever created us, it created us with sexual bodies. That was not a mistake. Whatever created us gave us bodies that are capable of amazing sexual pleasures. That wasn't there by accident. And I think that helped me a lot to really realize that, oh, when I'm having sex, I'm celebrating in the gift of the Creator. Yeah. I know one of the things about shame is... It gets inside of us. It gets deep inside of us. It burrows to the point where we don't even recognize it as shame. A lot of times we are acting from a place of shame and we feel completely normal. And I think that that's one of the really hard parts about being a human Shame is shame is always always bad. There's nothing that shame, nothing good that shame will do for you. And so much trauma comes from shame, and so much shame comes from trauma. And trauma 
causes you to feel shame, and shame traumatizes you. And it's a, a negative loop that just just multiplies as it goes on. And the only way that you can overcome the circle of shame is by looking it straight in the face and shining light on it and saying to yourself, I don't have to be ashamed of you and feeling confident in who you are and what you are. And it takes time to overcome shame. And especially if there's shame that comes up when you're talking with a partner, tell them about your shame. Tell them that like you're working through shame right now and that you, you know that you can overcome it and ask for their help to overcome your shame. And they'll tell you about things that they're ashamed about and you can help them overcome their shame. I think getting over shame is one of the, the biggest boundaries to, to having a really amazing sex life. There is a power in naming. And when you can name something, it empowers you. I know that for a number of years, I was ashamed of, even though I didn't know it at the time, of being intersex, of being not masculine enough. I was given that message over and over again growing up. And part of it was just looking myself in the mirror and saying, okay, I am androgynous. And that's the first word I found that kind of fit me. And I loved, learned to love and embrace embrace the androgyny that I have and to celebrate in it. And I, it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight, but it's really at first coming to terms with being androgynous and then naming it and saying, oh, this is who and what I am, a part of me. It's owning, I love getting my toes sucked. I love having my feet worshipped. And at one point, I was kind of ashamed. I thought, ooh, people are going to think that's weird. And then I realized, no, this isn't weird. This fulfills a part of me. And I named it, and I reclaimed my right to enjoy the sexual pleasures of body worship and having my feet touched and caressed and worshipped and sucked and and loved and and even some of my other weird fetishes I named them and it's very empowering to just say okay this is what I'm into it's a desire. The desire didn't happen by accident. Whatever desire is, it's kind of an interesting phenomenon, but it's something very deep within us. It gets into that primal side of us. And we haven't touched on primal yet, this show, but primal sex can be a very empowering and enlightening form of spiritual sexuality, getting into that really 
animalistic almost side of sexuality and really getting in touch with those deep urges and where they come from. And it's very amazing the power within those that can come alive within us. And it's something that I learned to celebrate, not feel ashamed about. And there was a time when I did feel shame about certain things, but through the process, I loved, learned how to love and embrace it. So I, I think one of the things that you're kind of getting at that I think is really important, one of the best ways to overcome shame is is love, is self-love, is acknowledgement. And I think that loving yourself is really, really powerful and really, really strong. And it's not always the easiest thing to do because it's work. It's one thing to say, oh, I love myself. It's another thing to, to feel it fully. Sometimes it takes practice. Sometimes you have to tell yourself over and over that you love yourself. You look yourself in the mirror and you say, I am good enough. I deserve to have a good sex life. I deserve to have good orgasms. My body deserves to feel good. I am worthy and I love myself. And sometimes you don't feel it, but you keep on doing it. You keep on telling yourself. You keep looking yourself in the mirror. You keep on doing affirmations of positive things. And if you continue to do it long enough, eventually you will feel that you do love yourself, that you do think that you're worthy of pleasure, that you do you think that you're worthy of really good sex and really good orgasms? It might take a while. A, a lot of times, Gigi says that it takes two months to change, two months 60 to, to 90 days. 60 to 90 days to create a habit and kind of change your mind about something. But if you practice it for 60 days, you do affirmations, you can do them in the mirror. Uh, Gigi a lot of times talks about doing sexual affirmations where you raise sexual energy and do affirmations, but you do affirmations every day for 60 to 90 days, and you you will change the way that you feel about yourself. And changing your mind talk and self-love are really the two biggest ways to to change your like the things that you feel ashamed about and to reprogram your mind away from shame and into love. Oh, and on that note, we're coming to the, we're past the top of the hour. <laughs> we're to that point where, of the show, where it's kind of time to reflect on what's our takeaways. And I think for me, my biggest takeaway in all this is that I had to learn how to love myself and learn how to enjoy my sexuality. 
and really explore it fully and find out discovering it in part. It was like there's certain things I know today that I didn't know when I was 20 years old. And I discovered this process by doing some of these exercises, exploring my body fully through touch, exploring and not taking the the word of social conditioning, but really exploring and seeing how my body responded to certain things. It was like I realized a lot of that are lies. Anal pleasures are amazing. Whereas most people back, especially back when I was growing up, it was, it was so taboo. <laughs> It was looked at and frowned upon as dirty and really sinful, the whole sodomy thing. And it's like, well, guess what? The opposite is true. And so I found the truth for myself. I found what my body likes and what I like, what's deep within my primal core being. And that's a process. And coming to terms, I think that's what really takes us to that next level of fully being sexually expressive and free. I know for me, when I got into training with Gigi, I, one of the, the promises and one of the things I was most looking forward to was having a better sex life. And kind of like the way that we structured the show, like I thought that I was going to get a lot of pointers on different techniques and learning what to do and, and that I would be able to memorize these things by rote. And that is what would give me a better sex life. And over time, I have learned those things. If you came to the show because you're interested in learning about how to have a better sex life, I imagine you were kind of expecting the same thing, where you'd get tips, tips and tricks, so this is where you touch your body, and this is what you do, and this is the mechanical way to make your body feel better. And those things are important. We touch on them. So. Yeah, we, we touch on them quite a bit. But more important than that is how you feel about it, how you are in your heart, in your head, in your brain. You need to heal your psyche. You need to learn how to heal your soul before you can open yourself up to these pure, amazing, powerful sexual energies. And that that journey of healing and self-discovery is part and parcel to learning how, how to have a better sex life. And I think that that's my takeaway, is that, you know, we can sit here and tell you all about the tips and tricks and, and things like that. We, and we do that a fair amount on this show. But if you don't, start where the problem is, be it in like your emotions or your 
self-image or your communication with yourself or with your partner. You need to heal those things before these the the mechanical things really have a chance of sinking in and making a difference. It's important to work on your heart and on your mind and on your soul and spirituality before these tips and tricks can really take hold and can really have a chance of making your sex life better. Truly is forming that genital heart connection, bringing your heart into your sex life, bringing your sex into your heart life. It's embracing and forming that compassion with yourself. And on that note, have an amazing night. Enjoy those nocturnal emissions. Get in touch with your body. It's a magnificent gift where we can reach pleasures of extraordinary heights. Have a good night. Good night. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual. <laughs>